Hello and welcome to episode 20 of series three of the Engaging Internal Comms podcast. This is the show for employee engagers and internal communicators who like to keep up to date with all that is new in our profession. My name's Craig Smith from the Big Picture People. Welcome to this episode of the podcast. I'm sorry to report that I have just this morning found that I have COVID. I, first time I've had it in the two and a half years that we've been uh, enduring this. So I'm feeling a little bit uh, bit under the weather, but not, not too bad at the moment. So um, I'm going to keep this relatively short introduction relatively short. Um, so just as usual, I'm just going to give you a quick headline on what we've got coming up in the next couple of episodes. So on the 25th of October, I've got an interview with Mark Allen. Mark's going to be telling us all about the psychology of communication, very much looking into what's going on in our brains when we're being communicated to, so we can think about as internal communicators what we need to be doing there and how some of those messages land. And then the following episode after that, on the 8th of November, I've got an interview with Lorianne Duguay. Uh, Lorianne is, um, a, works for her own business. She has her own business called The People Person. And what we're going to be looking at there is how do we create highly motivating workplaces, whether we work in internal comms or in employee engagement. I think that's a shared objective that we all have. We all want to build uh, a workplace which is engaging, stimulating, and where people can do their best work. So that's um, that's for the podcast. Then just a quick head, heads up on uh, upcoming uh, or events that we've got coming up. Uh, we have one of our uh, webinars coming up on the 20th of October, which is called Helping Your Employees Understand Your Organization's Big Picture. The whole premise behind that is that most organizational leaders find it quite challenging to explain their vision, their mission, their values, um, because they're often too close to it and uh, they, they, they find it hard to compli- com- communicate. Uh, so, um, when the, but when they do communicate that big picture, we tend to find there's lots more engagement and buy-in within the organisation. So we're going to be looking at some of the challenges that 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 that, that cause that to, to be be the issue, but also how you can help leaders in your organisation to overcome it. So if you're interested in that, as I said, 20th of October, 3 p.m. in the afternoon UK time. If you go to our website, thebigpicturepeople.co.uk, on the events tab, you'll find the event listed as the first event on the uh, on the on the. There's two events that we've got that we run regularly the first one is helping employees understand your big pit your organization's big picture the little drop down menu with dates there the 20th of october but also some other dates that we're running that event as well if you if you can't make the 20th of october so you're more than welcome to join us a free webinar by the way so uh, entirely uh, entirely uh, free to to join so as i said i'm not feeling 100 so i'm gonna call it a wrap there for the introduction and we'll move straight into this episode's interview thank you We all want to work in an organisation where we feel a sense of belonging, where we can bring our whole self to work. And the relevance of diversity and inclusion in all of our businesses has become particularly relevant over the last few years. And that's not just from a perspective of gender or ethnicity, but in all of its forms that we are looking to to, to help our employees to feel more included and more able to bring their full self to work. So what I wanted to do in the podcast was to explore how we can help to build inclusive cultures within our organizations. There's a lot of initiatives going on in businesses at the moment where we have diversity and inclusion or DNI or DEI uh, initiatives going on within the business or within our organizations. 
but what I wanted to do was to really dig behind what actually drives a, an inclusive culture within our organizations. So one of the dangers I think is that there's a one size fits all men mentality or approach to DNI, and this causes challenges. And what we're going to find out in today's interview is that actually there are four stages of what we call psychological safety, which is a key component of feeling a sense of belonging and feeling that you are part of an organization. And those four stages are inclusion, learning, contribution and challenge. So we're going to explore those today with our interviewee who is an expert in DNI, and he is going to explain to us how those different levels look and feel and that and in fact for many organizations they really don't get as far or any further than the first level which is inclusion. But he's also going to explain to us the importance of those second, third and fourth stages of learning, contribute and challenge and how they play into us actually having a fully diverse and inclusive culture within our organizations. And finally, we're going to obviously link that to the role of internal communicators, of leaders, of those of us who are responsible for employee engagement and organizational development within our, within our organizations. What can we do to help to drive that inclusive culture? What, what about our work and our influence within the organization? How does that play into that? So that's what today's interview is all about. My guest today is Arthur Woods. Arthur is a social entrepreneur and LGBTQ plus and neurodiversity advocate working at the intersection of equality, inclusion and technology. He is an author of the national best-selling book, Hiring for Diversity, and is a global keynote speaker, having delivered three TEDx talks and has contributed to the Harvard Business Review, Fast Company and Forbes. Arthur is also a co-founder of Matheson, a venture-backed technology platform equipping employers with everything they need to manage their diversity, hiring, analytics, and training. So hello, Arthur. How are you? Thanks for having me here, Craig. Doing wonderful. It's an absolute pleasure. So just for our listeners, whereabouts in the world are you? Where can we position you at, at the moment, Arthur? Yes, I am in Miami. Wow. Miami, Florida. Wow, conjures up all sorts of uh, all sorts of scenes for uh, us across here in Europe of palm trees and That's Don right. Johnson right. and, uh, and and Ferraris. But what's it really like? What's it like in, in Miami today? Give us a, give us paint a picture for us, please. In Miami today, it's it's quite cloudy, uh, but humid and uh, and warm, and and I think uh, <laughs> folks are are ready for the weekend. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, we're recording this on a Friday, so yeah, we're definitely uh, looking down, looking forward to the weekend. I think universally, yeah, either side of the pond. So anyway, Arthur, I've I've introduced you there based on uh, your your bio on LinkedIn. Tell us a little bit more about your your background, where you where you, where you've arrived at where you are now from how what, what tell us a little bit about your journey to where you are now please arthur well absolutely craig well i i you know i grew up um you know in a single parent home in in rural northern california um i uh, came out uh as gay halfway through college and i i really you know got into entrepreneurship at a young age um believing you know wholeheartedly in the idea that we can you know, create uh, businesses that are a reflection of our values, but also that business um, can be very much a, an agent of positive change in the world. And I had the opportunity to uh, uh, join in the earlier days of Google. I, I helped uh, launch our education division at YouTube. Um, and I started to get really into the LGBTQ community, Craig, you know, I, I 
co-founded a group called Out in Tech, which is uh, uh, one of the largest LGBT uh, technology uh, meetups. And I became fascinated with the concept that we use, you know, we, we you know, spend the majority of our waking lives at work. And yeah. yet work uh, for many people is not a place where there's a, a great deal of enrichment, of purpose, and of belonging. And so my, uh, my last uh, real decade of my professional career has been dedicated to building technology that advances humanity in the workplace. Um, and uh, it's been a wonderful journey. And in the last few years, we've launched a company called Matheson, which is a, uh, an analytics software um, to help companies measure and, and, and really advance their diversity, equity, inclusion work. Fantastic, yeah, and I think we've got a, a definitely a shared a shared interest and shared belief there about making our work, mm. workplaces more interesting, diverse, mm-hmm. inclusive, and, and helping people feel feel a sense of of, of belonging. Um, you, you you kind of alluded to that there, and when we spoke originally, we we talked about the fact that um, workplaces for all organisations are, are working hard to you know D D and I and DEI I think as you call it in the states to 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 to, to make them more representative our communities still a lot of work to go there a lot of work to be done there I mean how, how, what what do you and obviously I think you you feel the same given the work that you're doing mm. what what are your thoughts on that and how does that really link into you know that sense of belonging that we all we all want in any community and especially at work mm. Well, it's a great question, Craig. And, you know, I think to start out, if we think about the concept of belonging, it's something that I believe we all, we all, uh, we all share a common pursuit of, right? You know, we are all in search of a sense of community, whether it's in the context of work, whether it's in the context of our lives. Um, and to, to find, you know, people we can surround ourselves with, who we, who we trust, who we can rely on, who bring out the best in us. And if we think about now the role that work is playing in our lives, where we, first of all, because of a global pandemic and um, the concept of many people now working and collaborating remotely, Mm. we are um, spending so much time in our jobs, but also we're looking to work um, for a sense of community now more than ever. And especially when we witness what's happening in the world and happening in society and many of the, the real challenges we face in the world this last couple of years, um, we're looking at work and um, with a whole new, you know, kind of degree of scrutiny and need around feeling a sense of, of, of real spiritual lift in a way that I, I think we haven't necessarily before. So mm. when when we think about kind of this idea of belonging, I think a lot of folks have believed historically that you can really just find that outside of work, right? You know, find a hobby, find something that gives you joy and purpose and, and community outside of work. But we're really looking to work in a whole new way. And I think um, something we talk a lot about, Craig, is this concept of psychological safety. Yeah. And us, you know, really, if we think about, you know, the idea of being safe in an environment where we can be ourselves and contribute and learn, um, we really, you know, need to find that in our jobs now more than ever. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and we want to, I'm going to go, we're going to talk a lot about psychological safety. I guess that, you know, implicit, uh, we wrote an article about this a, a while ago. Um, and actually it was, I kind of, we kind of wrote it and, and it, we, you know, we were clearly interested in it. We didn't just write it for, for, mm. for, for the sake of it, but it, it was one of the most popular articles. It was, it was around sense of belonging and, and, and a lot mm-hmm. of that was around, you know, being able to bring your whole self to work. And I guess that's kind of implicit in what you're talking about there is, you know, that I, I can be myself and, and, and I feel, you know, included as uh, in, in that community, which is work when I can be myself mm-hmm. and not having to wear, you know, some sort of facade, which is um, mm-hmm. sadly some people feel they have to do. Is that, is that, the, is, is that, is that the case? Is that, is that, would that align with what you 
your your perceptions are about about sense of belonging yeah precisely you know we're if we think about kind of the the evolution of work first of all the common you know sort of structure of work and the, the sort of taxonomy and and culture around work we've largely inherited from the industrial age right mm, so yeah the design of the common work week the design of uh you know, sort of this this belief, this core belief that if if people weren't paid to work, they wouldn't, right? That work yeah. is really just a, a, tr- a transaction. Um, it, it's it's all very much inherited, kind of conceptually from this industrial age. And um, and if we think about you know, kind of the the new era that we're in, um, where we you know people now are really looking to work, um, it, you know, for spiritual enrichment, right? And looking to work uh, for so much more. The idea really of kind of I can bring my authentic self to work and I don't just have to conform to this archetype of being a professional, quote unquote, right? Yeah. It's about sort of control and it's about sort of you you having to, to be a different person at work. We're now kind of telling people, show up as your full self, which means your, your, you know, your identity, your, your yeah. unique identity, which is a strength and not a weakness, right? Yeah. Um, we've, we've all been combating this concept of culture fit, right, for many years and still to this day. Which is really about sort of if you if you don't conform to the, the the sort of psyche of our culture, you're you're not considered a fit for our company, right? That's kind yeah. of been abandoned this idea of culture ad, you know. So I think we're in this in this um in this new moment where we're we're not telling people to conform, we're telling them to show up as 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 true authentic individuals. Yeah. And in that, to your point, Craig, that's where we believe people feel much more of a sense of belonging. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. So we, you, you mentioned there about psychological safety, and and, and I think it is a, a term that has gained a lot of currency, particularly since mm. the pandemic. Um, but I'm interested in your definition of, of what, what we mean by psychological safety. I mean, I guess it, it, it is something that people go, well, I think I can't, it's kind of obvious to me, but I, I don't think it is. I think and I'm, I'm conscious that the people have different interpretations of it. What, what, mm-hmm. What's your definition of, of psychological safety, I guess, in this context? Well, the, you know, psychological safety can really be broken down in many different ways, but the core essence of it is that you can show up uh, really without fear, right? That you mm. can show up and contribute um, without fear of, uh, of, of, getting, uh, of, of getting any kind of backlash, of, of being uh, reprimanded. Um, and you can, you, can, you can show up safely you know, to, 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 to truly kind of contribute in, in, a, in a way that's authentic to you. It's important to note that there are actually different stages of psychological safety. So yeah. um, the first stage, you know, in what we call inclusion safety is usually what people most grasp. And that's that I show up and I feel welcomed. I feel kind of seen as, as the person I am. But, you know, stage two is that I'm, I'm safe enough to um, learn. Mm-hmm. Um, stage three is that I'm safe enough to contribute. And stage four is that I'm safe enough to actually challenge. Yeah. If we think about kind of that stage, you know, which is really the stage at which we're we, we innovate, right? When we can kind of counter an idea, make it better, sort of build on it. Um, that's, that's the stage where m- most of the exciting ideation happens. And yeah, so, you know, that, that's, that's really kind of how we think about it. Yeah. Excellent. Well, that's a great lead into what, what we want to go into in, in detail, which is exploring those, those four stages. So uh, mm-hmm. uh, you, 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 nice to sort of headline them. So, Let's talk a little bit then about about that first stage. So, I guess, I, and I guess before we do that, these are, are is it a case that you can't get to challenge the, your stage four without having going through these phases? I mean, are these yes. is this like an evolution? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let, let let's start with that. 
yeah, great. Let's start with that first one then. So inclusion. So what what does that look like, and 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 how does that, you know, what what are the the, the strengths and I guess you know with it being a kind of a, an ele- elementary stage, there are you know there's mm-hmm. lots of opportunities there as well. So tell us uh, mm-hmm. tell us what that looks and feels like for the individual, but also, you know, how does that play out in terms of what managers and leaders may be focused on at that stage. Yeah, so the inclusion stage is, is is about someone being authentically seen and heard for who they are. And that's the I, I feel welcome to I feel welcome to the party, right? I'm not I'm not asked to be a different person to show up. I'm I'm seen and, and respected for who I am. So it's very much at that individual identity level. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, it, it's important to note that a lot of people don't break past break into that first stage. If they feel like they have to conform to be to be you know safe, right? If they have mm. to, uh, and a good example of this is that if someone is is really the only person um, on a team from a given underrepresented community, they may really feel just to be safe, they have to kind of uh, almost mute that aspect of their identity, mm. Um, mm. or they have to conform in, in terms of certain behavior just to just to kind of show up and be seen, or just to feel respected, right? Mm. Mm. And, and I and I, would it be fair to say that for a lot of organisations, that is, you know, that is their sole interpretation of 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 DNI or DEI. Uh, you, you know, just getting that to that stage is enough for them without getting to these st- other stages that we we're talking about. Because when I think when I hear organisations talking about diversity and inclusion, it's all, that's often as the the limit of their ambition. And is is that is that what you find? Absolutely. You know, and that's I, I think uh, at a very rudimentary level, we you know I think. We sort of think about, you know, including everyone and and respecting everyone, and think our work here is done. And I think understanding that there are these different, really, really, you know, different depths of the way someone is is truly safe. That we that most teams, even even teams that you could say on paper have a really great culture, right? I think that's a that's a it's a misconception among a lot of managers that, you know, we have a great culture. Our team laughs, we joke, you know. Uh, that's wonderful, but it doesn't necessarily mean that someone is safe enough to be thriving, contributing, learning, challenging, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. And I think that's a you know important note that you know we oftentimes are quantifying our success in, in these in these uh, you know in these in these measures by anchoring to uh, a very limited set of, of of data points, right? Yeah, I was going to ask you that actually. How how you know? And, and again, we're we're just at this sort of elementary introductory level, which, as we said, for some organisations, even getting to there is a stretch. What what is it? How would they measure that? What what are some of the way? What are, is it through surveys? Is it through focus group? How would how would an organise? Or is it just through individual feedback? How, how would an organisation typically measure whether they they've got to that first level and how? You know how uh, how extensively they've managed to achieve that. Yeah, so you know the the best thing that we we can see here is that an organization um, continuously collects uh, feedback from uh, from from their people anonymously um, mm. and gets beyond simply just do you have a best friend at work and do you feel <laughs> included, right? Yeah, um, yeah, it's really important that we ask questions around. You know, do you Feel like you're learning and growing. Um, do you feel like you're safe enough to contribute in meetings? Is there space for that? Do you feel like you're, you know, uh, when you challenge or, or have a counter idea that's celebrated and encouraged and not sort of squashed down, right? Mm-hmm. And we need to start asking people these questions to, to really kind of calibrate around what stage of safety are we in. 
Mm, yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, so let, let's 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 understand then the difference between an organisation that is, is is focusing on that inclusion level now to the next level, mm. which is the second level, which is about learning. So, so mm-hmm. tell us a little bit more about that, Arthur, please. Well, you know, what's important to note on this piece is that um, you know we each are uh, you know re- requiring to be at a certain level of safety in order to actually be growing and developing and. Mm. Uh, an example of this is imagine, you know, think back to your first day of school or your first day of work and you were taking in so much new information. Um, we would call this almost panic zone. Um, <laughs> you're, 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 you know, you're, you're still calibrating, you're still getting your bearings straight. Uh, you have a lot of new information coming at you. You're probably not in a place where you're, you know, uh, in a comfortable spot enough to be, to be like learning. You're, you're taking so much in, right? Mm. Same thing in a high stress environment where you have just, you're overwhelmed, right? You're likely not in a, in a mode where you're, you're, you're learning a lot. You might, you're probably just in survival mode. So Mm. we call this Mm. kind of the panic zone. Um, Mm. At the other end of that is this complacency zone where it's like, if you're extremely bored and doing monotonous work and you're not, you know, you're not really, uh, you know, in a place where you're developing, your brain kind of shuts off and goes into autopilot. And uh, that's that's like sort of the complacency zone. So the middle of that is the learning zone, mm. and it requires a, a level of a, a degree of safety um, for you to be developing and safe enough to take in new experiences. Otherwise, you're in this kind of firefight mode, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we have to build you know safe environments for people to learn and grow. Um, and I think that's an important thing because we you know if, if someone does feel like they're in a fearful place, we shouldn't expect them to be developing, right? No, no. No, um, and 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 again, I guess you, when I said about measurement, you 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 you, I think you referred all to all of the levels. So I guess the, you know what we should be looking at is again through people's feedback as to a do I feel included and b do I feel as I'm I mean I, I'm I'm I guess what you know you did that that sweet spot that you're talking about is what I would call stretch. It's it's like appropriate stretch. It's like mm-hmm. not feeling as though I'm kind of, like you say I'm out of completely out of my depth. But it's also it's like you know this is so boring because it's just so easy. It's getting that that appropriate level of stretch, which I think is is really important. So you'd be look, looking to measure that through the same way that you were measuring that first level of inclusion as well, but maybe through through different types of questions. Is that would that be fair to say? That's right. So with this one, it's it's really questions around, you know, am I am I learning? Am I getting out of my comfort zone? Am I am I taking new experiences? Do I feel like I'm really kind of stretching myself, growing? Um, mm. This can be an area where you know we we can ask people around, you know, am I getting new experiences? Am I achieving some level of mastery? Um, mm. You know, these yeah. are kind of the different dimensions of of, of learning that you know, learning and growing. Um, I think it's important to note with this one, by the way, that um, there's oftentimes a misconception around growth that it equals a promotion, right? So yeah. I can't really be learning and growing unless I'm achieving the next level, you know, in terms of a, a, a you know, a position here. And so getting getting team members into this growth mindset where, you know, they, they can be developing in the context of their existing work and not having to be promoted uh, to achieve that. Right. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that because it, it it is a. It, I think you know, having managed people myself and, and seen other people managing people, I think it's that one of those when you've got someone in your team who isn't necessarily ambitious, but they you know nobody wants to just stagnate. It, it it's how do you keep them engaged and motivated and feel as though they're still developing when you know they don't want a promotion because it's a really lazy you know kind of option for people unless people want it of course just to say oh well, we'll right. just promote them to the next level up because that isn't always you know 
are you familiar? Are you, we use it as a there's a book called the, or I think it's a book anyway, but it's a term called the Peter Principle, which is we tend to promote people to their level of ne- highest level of incompetence, which is we just keep promoting them and promoting them and promoting them because they think that's what they want, and that's the only kind of way we can think to kind of grow and develop them. And it's you know it's not always the right thing to do. And some people you know you can give breadth, you don't always have to give altitude for people to develop, uh, which I think is really important. It's completely right. And I think, you know, it, it is a it's a powerful way to give people this new language of ways they can experience fulfillment in their jobs um, that goes beyond simply just achieving a better rank and better pay. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's yeah. really the intrinsic value that we're talking about here that is uh, that I, I would argue is really what people are after in work more than anything. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I agree. I agree. And, and I think, you know, when we when we're talking about inclusion, inclusion, I think it is. I've seen this happen before where people kind of get they get kind of pushed to the margins because they don't want that promotion and that's what we've offered them and and it's almost like they've rebutted us and they they don't want to be here anymore but they do mm. they, they just don't want to do what you've asked they, they want to do something that doesn't involve the disruption of of a promotion and they're quite happy doing what they're doing but they you know they just want to be developed in a different way and I've seen that happen mm. before where people almost get marginalized because they 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 don't they're perceived to be not lacking in ambition well you know it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's our definition of ambition not theirs so uh, mm. which i think is always dangerous isn't it um it, it absolutely is yeah yeah <laughs> okay so yeah so we're just moving to signposting so we've looked at inclusion as level one we looked at learning as level two now 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 talk, talk to us a little bit more about level three arthur which is which is to contribute tell us how that differs from learning and inclusion yeah so con- contribute is uh you know there are different ways we can look at this but it, we really believe it's around uh, you. You are invited and celebrated around uh, contribution that you can make, and that's in the context of meetings, right? So it's literally having the place to speak and share your ideas in, in meetings. It's um, it's to contribute in in your actual work. Um, it's the, ideally that your your unique value uh, is aligned to the impact in the work that you're doing, right? Mm. And you feel uh, invited and really celebrated for contribution. And in some cases, um, you know, there's a lack of there's a lack of safety in knowing: is it safe to raise my hand? Is it safe to speak mm. up? Is it safe to add add anything here? Right. Mm. Um, and the more that that's invited, right, proactively, I think the more that it signals to our team: um, wow, I, I, you know, I really, I feel, I feel, you know safe here. And in a, in a great way that managers can um, do this, by the way, is literally by scheduling time for people to speak in meetings, making mm. sure that you've gone around to every person, they've, they've been invited to add anything, that they've invited to ask questions. Um, we've seen some really powerful ideas of, if, you know, for team meetings that people have rotating the person who chairs the meeting mm. um, intentionally. So you are, you already are giving people the floor in yeah. a very proactive way. Um, so those are those are some just some you know kind of just tactics for achieving that kind of in, invitation or contribution. Yeah, d- definitely, and I, I think I, and, it, and it's interesting because I've heard a few people talking about uh, for all you know, and I don't think it's it's been the the answer to all of our problems, but 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 with with working online and and, and doing a lot of digital and, and and you know Zoom and Teams type meetings that because there's a chat opportunity for people to raise chat and put their hand up and and make comments or you know that that's helped people to who would normally struggle or, or feel uncomfortable contributing you know where we've legitimized it to say look if you've got any ideas pop them into the chat um mm-hmm. or to you know to use some other kind of 
you know polling or, or things like that to get get people's ideas and input and opinions across where you know if you haven't got that technology it's a case of you know if you're having to stick their hand up in a, in a conventional meeting so I, I you know i think i think it's interesting that that i've heard people talking that, that that's been made it more um easy for people who you know don't like to contribute in a, in a public setting or feel self-conscious but i guess that's to get cuts to the heart of the problem which is i don't know have you read a book by by susan kane called quiet about uh, introverted? yes of yeah. course of course yeah. yes uh, which and- which which i'm i mean i'm an extrovert and i but but you know myers-briggs it tells me i'm an extrovert anyway but 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 yeah I, I found that fascinating in terms of the fact that you know we are we've developed this world where we value extroversion over introversion and i think that's a really mm. inform, important so what are your what are your thoughts on on that you know that because that contribute implies to an element and i guess to an element of you know sticking yourself out there and extroversion but but how do we help introverts to 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 contribute as well i guess is really important well and i think it's it's a wonderful question craig and i think we really have to broaden sort of uh, and deepen maybe our uh, how how we think about contribution so i think in the very literal sense many people think of contribution as okay i'm raising my hand and speaking up in a meeting but perhaps um you know for someone who is less feels less safe to speak up at a meeting, the, the contribution is going to be a little more behind the scenes. So I think mm-hmm. one of the pieces for a manager to really understand is what's the unique way that everyone in their perfect and most safe world would like to contribute, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and feels purpose in contributing. And for some people that may not be you know, conducive to a large meeting, it might be in other ways, but that we've really invited that contribution that's meaningful to each person. Um, and I think that's, Part of the power of this work is that it's never monolithic, right? Uh, what works really well mm-hmm. for one person may not work well for another. And, and that's because we each are unique individuals, right? Um, but as a manager, you're really kind of perceiving or understanding that, you know, what, what, is, the, what is the contribution that's meaningful and safe for each person? How, do, how am I inviting that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that cuts to the heart of this, you know, for me, which is, managers need need to have that kind of emotional intelligence and that empathy to to recognize you know so i've heard it many times said you you didn't you should have put your hand up in the meeting and said something rather than recognizing that actually i've got people in my team who they they contribute in different ways they 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 much well you know for me it's about taking time to go and talk to them on a one-to-one basis and just saying no and i really appreciate your ideas on this Mm -hmm. um you know what are your thoughts and and knowing your people and having that kind of empathy and 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 how to get the best out of people i guess you know it's it's uh it's easy to say hard to do but but i think it's you know it's 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 that skill that organizations typically um don't value they'll value technical ability over those those sorts of those relationship skills which i think is um you know part of the challenge here Mm, mm -hmm. (laughs) it's really true it's really true i mean we we've we've uh we've sort of um you know prioritized all of the uh development in the head and not the development in the heart and i think it's those relationship skills or those relational skills soft skills you you could say that are are Mm. really critical to um nailing here and and if we think about it it really is again the concept of psychological safety it's it's sort of mastering those um i would say more soft and and uh ethos driven um aspects of of how we relate that are bridging us into these new forms of safety right yeah yeah 
So just moving to the fourth level, the, 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 I guess the highest level in, in your in your in your, uh, your your taxonomy here. So we've got inclusion is one, learning two, contribute three, and then we're now to challenge. So again, if you could explain the dis- distinction between someone who's contributing and then who's challenging, because I guess challenging in some people's minds or challenge the word challenge may have incorrectly some mm. negative connotations. So talk us a little bit about what you mean by challenge. Yes. I think, you know, one of the powerful uh, tools I, I, I try to speak a lot about in the DEI work is this power of reframing, because every term, sadly, we're very limited by the vernacular of the English language. Um, <laughs> and every term is charged in its own way, and every term kind of carries different meaning. So I think it's important that we always sort of try to reframe to get to the essence of these words. So um, like, like uh, you know, in this case, um, you know, challenge, you know, which to your point, Craig, could be perceived as something negative to some people. And I've had a lot of leaders tell me, well, you know, are there times where we don't really want to invite challenge? And the the essence of this is that if someone sees that something can be improved, right? um, And if someone sees a way that we can innovate and uh, and, and really sort of come together um, to, to really kind of bring something to the next level, um, that they feel safe enough to raise their hand and contribute that, right? And mm-hmm. um, you know, so it's not that we're we're trying to disrupt every idea and dismantle progress, but it's really that we the collective knowledge of everyone around the room is what can ensure that we're we're improving, right? Um, and so in, in this case, challenge, and there there are, by the way, tons of really interesting case studies. Um, and, and in fact, a number of case studies where there were um, sadly, you know, uh, examples of, of flights, you know, uh, airplane crashes mm. where uh, a lack of psychological safety caused someone to not correct glaring um, safety issues, literal, literal like uh, structural safety issues that led to plane crashes. Right. Yeah. I, I was actually, um, I just made a note. I was going to ask you to talk about human factors. Cause that, that, that was the, the solution to a lot of that, wasn't it? Which was that, you know, the second officer, it's fine for them to challenge the captain because, you know, there were a lot of aircraft incidents that were where, you know, I just didn't say anything because the, the hierarchy and the rank meant I didn't, you right. know, you know, thankfully in those situations, there'd been the people who survived, but often when they've listened to these flight recorders, then, you know, they've just sat there not saying anything when clearly this person is going, who's <laughs> going to crash this plane. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's a good example, I guess, of, of where, you know, not challenging, very stark example of where, where that can be you know, very detrimental. Um, 100%. And imagine, you know, you're the, you know, you know, if we add, if we sort of bring this to a real level in the corporate environment of you are a a newer employee who might be the only person from a given community. So you're already kind of feeling a little bit out of place and you're more junior and you see an area where a team member, a more senior team member could improve something um, you might feel for for three really core reasons uh, a, a real lack of safety to raise your hand and contribute and 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 challenge right, um, mm-hmm. and so I think you add in the the kind of concept of being underrepresented, being new, being you know of, of lower kind of authority, you know structural authority in an organization. These are all things that add to someone's fear in terms of you know really challenging. And if we're building a psychologically safe environment that is really kind of breaking beyond, you know, that first of all, everyone's ideas matter. Everyone has something to add and that we are celebrating if we can all improve together, right? Like that, that is a, a very different culture than a fear-based, high, high, like highly hierarchical 
um, environment. And so, um, it, and it requires, of course, a, a strong culture that's really, really kind of coming from leadership. That's that's inviting people to challenge. And yeah. Um, and then you know, I think when people are noticing other people challenging in a healthy way, um, really witnessing how the how uh, people react, right? Um, yeah. You, we can imagine that if someone, if if you witness someone challenging, you know, in a positive way, um, and and the leader coming down on them and saying, "I don't want to, I don't want to hear your ideas." Um, we can imagine that's instilling fear in many other people who would challenge in the future, mm, right? Mm, so mm. that's that's really where this all comes down to, to culture and to leadership, right? Is that we're we're not, you know, and again, it takes a really kind of um, finessed approach here to um, invite and then to celebrate when people are challenging, and yeah, uh, and, yeah. and, to, and to frame that that's how we innovate. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's funny. I, I agree. We, we was talk, I was talking to a client about this the other day because that one of their one of their key principles is was challenge, you know. And they were talking about that's part of our culture, but they said, you know, we've still got a lot of work to do there. And I think, I think, I think for me, you kind of almost need to teach people not only how to challenge but also how to be challenged, um, because I do think there's a you know there's a way of there's a way that we can react to challenge which is defensive that i'm being criticized rather than you know it's kind of you need to assume positive intent and then react as you know even even if that challenge is maybe a little bit too aggressive or a bit a bit you know just mm. maybe could have done been done better is to say look hey look this person is is intent is to make our company better safer more more efficient and respond to that intent rather you know you know and 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 treat the you know obviously listen to the challenge as well because i think i think that's what part of the problem sometimes is as human beings we we, we when we do challenge we sometimes we're not, you know, we're not, we don't, we don't know how to do it in a way that doesn't raise people's hackles and get them to be mm. defensive. But also at the same time, when people challenge us, we sometimes, you know, we don't show our leaders or pe- not just leaders, but our peers to how to, how to be able to respond to that in a way that, Hey, this person's trying to help me or make this situation better. And, and I think it, it, it's a real, um, you know, and I, and I was going to ask you, you know, this is something we're really going to mm. find a close on, which is the role of people who are responsible for communications and organizational development and employee engagement within mm. organizations, how we can embrace all of these things that you've talked about in order to be able to create inclusive cultures or be part of that, you know, that drive to create more inclusive cultures within our organizations. But just before we move on to that, though, mm. anything to add add to that kind of hierarchy that, you know, that the inclusion, the learning, contribute and challenge elements that we've talked about, because I think they really kind of bring a vivid picture of, of what we're talking about when we're talking about psychological safety and, and helping mm. organizations develop that. Anything you want to add to that before we talk about this role of of comms and engagement and OD and learning and development people in, in helping to sort of sustain and drive this this uh, this this journey? Mm-hmm. It's a great question, Craig. And I, you know, I would say that maybe to close that piece, uh, even in a highly hierarchical organization, you know, we can dismantle a lot of the lack of safety. We can we can really build safety through vulnerability as individuals, right? Mm-hmm. And leaders, if we think about it, you know, you, you could be in a highly matrixed, highly kind of, you know, uh, command and control organization, but as a leader, you can create a space for your team to experience safety by you showing up with with vulnerability, right? Mm-hmm. By you showing up and really kind of uh, sharing your own personal story and inviting us, others to do the same and bringing things to a very personal level. Um, so it's important to note that safety, you know, can exist safety overall exists at an organizational level 
And it's usually quite low the more broad we get, right? Because it's it's really where, you know, I think because of sheer numbers and 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 whatnot, you know, we're, you know, we can assume that safety could be quite low at the at the broad mm-hmm. level. But um that at a, at a local team level, you as you as a leader have the opportunity to build your unique culture of safety. So um, we talk about these four levels and how they can really differ team by team. And in, in a team that's new, that's forming, is by default usually in a lower state of safety just because of the the newness, right? Of people still calibrating. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think as a leader, we we oftentimes I think a lot of leaders think, well, it's you know the organizational culture. Is is the most the most critical factor in, in safety, but really we have a lot of agency as leaders in terms of the the environment we create for our teams. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So j- just to finish off, Arthur, I mentioned you know the, the our podcast, and I think you know, what we talked about here is is, is mm-hmm. a kind of very um, broad uh, relevance to, to anyone who's who's you know leading or managing or working with an organization. Just to, to zone in specifically, you know, on people who are responsible for controlling communications flow of communications maybe you know i'm, I'm responsible for yammer slack or or microsoft teams you know or i've got i've got i'm using tools to measure engagement with emails and mm. communications that are going on with the organization just just thinking how i can practically you, you know use some of the things that we've been talking about here today to help me to mm. make sure that our communications are you know as far as possible building on on the things that you've been talking about in terms of building psychological safety any 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 sort of practical tips or thoughts or you, you know you, uh, anything that you you recommend them to be thinking about in that area well you know what's really interesting craig and and, I, and you're you know of course you're you're the expert on this so i'd love to get your feedback on it but i i find that um the more that we're able to infuse humor inject humor and <laughs> just personal you know basically personal connection in our communication, the better. And I think there are a couple of ways we can do that. One of, of course, is through our our communication channels. I mean, I, we have we have a culture where we share memes and jokes, and you know, again, it's not it's not meant to be distracting from work, but we're just like reminding each other through even our you know our communication channels like Slack and Teams that we're all human beings and we like to laugh mm-hmm. and we we create connection. We really we by default invite humanity through through humor and i think sometimes mm. we overlook that we think it's it's actually quite profound if you think about it like mm. by default when you're when we're creating humor and, and shared experience like that we're, we're we're inviting people to kind of show up and we all you know we actually laughter is something we all share right if you yeah, think about yeah. it it's a really kind of so i i we never try to like um sort of miss the the uh the the concept of humor and making sure that we're using our, our communication channels, not just to transact, but also to connect like that. Yeah. We have, have found that we have to be really intentional about how we're using our time to, to connect and invite vulnerability. And um, while it's, it's easy for us to jump right into back-to-back meetings and, and, um, and, you know, jump right into our agendas that we try to really spend the first chunk of our meetings and our time together, asking people how their weekends were connecting, mm. you know, because it really, it, it, it actually, if we think about it, um, can put people into a state of fear if they feel mm. like they're jumping right in without being, without like connecting as human beings, right? Mm. Um, and we, we tell managers, especially for virtual teams, try to schedule time where the team, there is no agenda apart from the team just connecting and having shared experience. Cause that used to happen in conference rooms or at the water cooler at the, you know, team picnic. And maybe that's happening less frequently now. Mm. In many cases, our teams are only connecting remotely. So let's not like sort of miss the the human element of us connecting and not having an agenda, <laughs> right? Because yeah. the agenda alone and transaction alone, while we think we're being respectful of people's time, 
can really still instill a, a sense of fear if we just feel like we're showing up and having to connect to do work, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, I do think as well with with is there's, there's a. I don't know. I don't know how to frame it, but but you, you know when you if you go if you in the old world or normal world or what call it face to face world or pre COVID world or whatever it is, when you go into a meeting room, like you say, you would kind of sit there and you know if you were if you were there a few minutes early or we were just waiting for a few couple of people just to show up, you'd you'd, you'd sit around, you'd go and get a coffee, you'd you know you'd have a chat with the person sat next to you, or maybe someone would tell a story and we'd all kind of listen and uh, but but it just seems to be online we all there's this kind of embarrassing silence where it's, mm. it's partly because of the technology because we're worried you know that if we start speaking and then you know the somebody does then join us and you know you don't have to stop the story halfway through whereas in a real world you just kind of the person would come in and you'd carry on finishing your story and everyone you know you'd maybe speed it up a little bit but it, it just seems odd I, I don't i can't put my finger on it but i, I know exactly I, I think it's what you're you kind of it, we, and we need to do that we need to like legitimize it that uh, just because it's online doesn't mean we can't you know and we can't use our body language as much as well as we could in a in a face-to-face environment we don't you know we don't put away with those kind of pleasantries you know almost like that that like i say just you know making a cup of coffee and telling your story while you're making your cup of coffee at the back of the room or whatever it it just seems so much more stilted and and i think we need to acknowledge that and consciously make the effort to to build in that that little bit of you know it's okay to have a bit of a bit of a chat and and Mm -hmm. and tell a few stories and talk about what we did at the weekend before we dive into the to the you know obviously for people who who want to do that um but yeah i I know what you mean yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You know, yeah. the other and- thing we do, Craig, that I love is we we uh, we try to do this how to work with me guide. Um, mm. And when we onboard someone new to really ask questions around, you know, hey, what 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 do you love? What makes you tick? How do we best learn together? Um, so that we can we can actually invite safety at the very beginning by by mm. by, by by sort of getting to the root of how we best partner. And and I ask in interviews how if we were to start in this if you were to start in this role. How, what, what's the user manual for how we can best set you up for yeah. success and make sure you feel safe? I mean, we can preempt these types of questions quite quickly these days. We don't have to wait, you know, six months to figure them out, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm, 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 I'm a big fan of, of you know, I use Disc and I use Myers Briggs, and I'm, I'm qualified to deliver them. And I, again, I think a lot of a lot, and, and I, I always encourage clients to use them from the that that very perspective, which is to you know, to, 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 uh, to, to help people to understand how better they can communicate with each other. And, and, uh, mm. you know, I always think this is the, you know, diversity is, 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 is a very, you know, it covers a whole broad range of things and, 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 and how I learn and how I communicate and how I prefer to be communicated to and understanding that and, and using that as a way of, recognizing in teams where you know and i and i the, the i use a tool one of the disc tools i use it, it allows people to you know kind of compare their their profiles and recognize where mm. we may we may not see to eye to eye on things and it's not because one of us is right and one of us is wrong it's just because we're different and what we're wired slightly differently and and that's fine because actually if we can combine those two strengths together we're, we're going to be better because we were going to have less blind spots and and it's kind of helping them to recognize that and and i've had so many you know great experiences using that where people have have kind of gone oh right okay yeah and it kind of just depersonalizes mm. the whole thing and makes it much more understandable and and the empathy levels raised. so yeah, i totally agree with you that's a really nice technique to, to to you know to 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 kind of 
or you know just to talk about there which is which is that very kind of operating manual for me this is this is mm-hmm. this is what i do this is how i work this is why i like to these are the things i enjoy this is the things i mean i'm not so good at and i need to work really consciously yeah. on and and that kind of level of honesty is great when you can get that in a, in a team and particularly like you say when you're onboarding maybe someone new into the team it's it's great uh way of doing that yeah. excellent yeah 100 percent. excellent so I, I'm 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 really pleased we had this conversation. It's really shone, shone a light on I think some 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 areas that um, I think you know it's definitely something that's highly relevant at the moment and that we're much more attuned to. And I think the whole area of, of diversity inclusion but also psychological safety and mental health and well-being, all of these things I think are you know are really phenomenally important and the internal communicators i know there's a lot of work going on you know we've got a big dei campaign came campaign going on but mm. i think actually understanding what's under that and 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 the skin of that is really really important and um you've given us some really really solid insights there so if someone wants to reach out to you arthur i'm going to put some links into the show notes i presume if yes. link, you're happy if people want to connect with you or reach out to you on linkedin Absolutely. and find out more yeah you can learn more about us at matheson.io, N-A-T-H-I-S-O-N.io for yeah. DEI analytics and hiring and, and training support. And um, and then, of course, you can connect with me on LinkedIn, uh, Arthur Woods. And yeah. yes, excited to excited to uh, to connect with folks and continue on this conversation. <clears throat> Fantastic. And I'll put a few links into the show notes in case people, uh, you know, miss that and, and want to go to go to our website and go to the, the bottom of the of the show notes. I'll put links into to uh, Arthur's uh, ways to connect with Arthur and to, to reach out to out to him. So look, that's wonderful. Been re- wonderful, Arthur. Thank you so much. Um, I hope you have a a, a nice weekend in Miami. I'm not jealous at Thank all. Thank you, Craig. I appreciate it. Thank you for a <laughs> wonderful conversation. Yeah, fantastic, Arthur. You take care and uh, we'll catch up soon. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Engaging Internal Comms podcast. If you've got any ideas for episodes you'd like us to cover in future, you can email us at info at thebigpicturepeople.co.uk or you can use the feedback form at engagingic.com. If you're not already subscribed to the show via your podcast platform, please do so. And if you could leave a review for us, that would be absolutely fantastic. We have links to other episodes at engagingic.com. All of our previous episodes are available there. And if you're interested in our visual communication services, our big pictures, our learning maps, our explainer videos, and also our live graphic recording, please get in touch with us again at info at thebigpicturepeople.co.uk. Thank you.